0: You're listening to the Redemption Hill Church podcast from Tallahassee, Florida. For more information, visit our website at rh-church.com. Hey, Pastor Chad here. I'm so glad you've taken the time to listen. We're currently studying verse by verse through the book of Acts. Among other things, we'll see the mission, the persecution, and the expansion of the church. Now, time for this week's message. If you guys have your Bibles this morning, why don't you guys open up to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15. Our For our visitors, our our common practice on Sunday mornings is when we get to the teaching, we just, we go through a book of the Bible verse by verse, and you know, so we start chapter one, verse one, and then we just kind of work our way through through that particular book, and we we've been in Acts now for several months. Acts is an incredible book. Every book of the Bible is incredible, just like every verse in the Bible. Sometimes it's hard to narrow in your favorite verse. That's why I typically say, This is my favorite verse. And I say, This is my favorite verse, and this is my favorite verse. But the book of Acts is it's unique because you see the church, you know, like what we we celebrate today as a faith family, we come together. Well, we see kind of this being birthed here in the book of Acts, and we see, you know, what, what happens right after Jesus ascends into heaven, and, and, and how the people, how, how the communities, and, and whatnot respond. And the last few weeks, we, we just concluded Paul and Barnabas, and they went on this missionary trip, this journey, that lasted about a year or so, somewhere between one to two years, and they get back to their home church, this church in Antioch, and they give a report. That's what we talked about last week, so, you know, they talked about how despite all these hardships, and it was a difficult missionary journey, and here shortly, we're going to get into another missionary journey of Paul's, and we see that each of these missionary journeys, their struggles, they're hard. (laughs) I mean, very, very, very little of it's easy, and and, you know, at at quick glance, as we look through those missionary journeys, that, that, that first one, it looks like it was problem after problem after problem. I mean, they're getting run out of a town. They get kicked out. They get to the next town. The next town, they set up camp, they start preaching, and then all of a sudden, the people want to stone them. So they hear about it, and they leave. They go to the next town, and, you know, then they, they celebrate them at first, and then all of a sudden, they're ready to stone them again. They kick them out. You know, I mean, so it's just, it just finally, they do stone Paul, and they think he's dead, and he's not, and it just, like, it just seems like a lot of trouble, a lot of turbulence. It doesn't seem like there's a tremendous amount of fruit, but there is. I mean, Paul celebrates, and, and, and he comes back home, and he gives this report, and last week, we, it was kind of neat. We ended the, the last, kind of 10 minutes of the message, we ended just kind of giving a report to our church of this is like what we are as a church, you know, halfway through this year, this is what the Lord has been doing through us um, and in us, and it was, it's been cool. We, we've been able to celebrate this year that we've had 120 visitors so far, and um, and that's incredible. That's awesome for a, for a small church plant like that, and uh, it's been exciting to see new families that have come in, and, and those of us who have been here from the beginning, so that, that first Sunday in October October 6, 2013, we had our first service together as a faith family. I challenged those people even last week when we had a lot of people kind of out and, you know, the tent wasn't necessarily high, but for them to look around the room and see how many faces and how many families the Lord's brought in since then. And so it's just been really cool. It's been, it's been cool to see how, as we've tried to really embrace missions this year, um, put more of an emphasis on how, how the Lord has, has really used our church. We, we partnered with this group called the Timothy Initiative. It's a church planning ministry in, that focuses in foreign areas. And through our efforts, you know, through our generosity that the Lord's blessed us with, we've been able to help plant 16 churches in Nepal like this year. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, for, for a church our side, I mean, that's, that's awesome. You know, we, we, um, we got uh, 120 Bibles in my office that are going to the Leon County Jail um, this next week. That will be going out, and and so the Lord just has done so many different amazing things. And and last week, you know, I hope our church kind of left excited. You know, the the, the ch- kind of the challenge for us as a as a family was this: let's not just get comfortable now. Let's not just lay back and say, "Look what we've done this year." But let's kind of use this as a springboard to just be to be more assertive, to be more aggressive, to be uh, more thankful for what the Lord is doing. So so that's kind of how we ended it. So it brings us into to. to um, to Acts 15. And Paul and Barnabas, they've been back on their journey. They're kind of sitting back at home. You know, they're, they're, they're preaching and teaching in their home church and kind of helping disciple. And this problem arises. And so before we get there, I'm just want to read a, a verse out of the book of James. Um, James chapter three, verse one says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So, like, when you read that, that kind of applies to the guy you're all looking at, right? I mean, the Lord has allowed me the privilege of, on Sundays, to, to preach and to teach. And I, I don't take that task lightly. And I don't think most do. But what James is saying here, what the gospel teaches us is that we have to be careful as teachers of, of the word. You that are here today come trusting that what I'm saying is right. Now, hopefully, and I, I, I want to be very straightforward with this. Like, hopefully, you don't just swallow everything that I say as gospel. Okay, I'm, I'm, my tongue has not been anointed with the words of Jesus, okay? So, what comes out of my mouth is not always Jesus. If, if, if you don't believe me, ask Courtney. <laughs> she'll, she'll verify that, okay? So, hopefully, what you do is is as we go through scripture, as we talk about this, hopefully what happens is this. You take what we talk about here, you go home, and you read it, and you study it, and you verify. All right? And what happens, and why that's important is we have this predicament that takes place here in in Acts chapter 15. So, So hopefully you're there, Acts chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, we have several in the back. Um, I think Dennis is near the back. So if you don't have a Bible, you want a Bible, just kind of raise your hand. Dennis will get you a Bible. We'll have the words up here on the screen too. But, but I'm going to go through. I'm going I'm to read this passage quickly. We're going to pray again for the Holy Spirit to lead us. And then we're going to try and dissect this a little bit, all right? So Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after that, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. Verse 3. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, Samaria, describing in detail the conversions of the Gentiles. And brought great joy to all the brothers. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they declared that all that God had done with them. But some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Verse six says, and the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this this matter. And after that, there had been much been much debate. Peter stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you. And by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did us. And he made no distinction between us and them, um, having, cleansed by the, their, by having cleansed their hearts by faith. Verse 10, now, therefore, we are putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. For we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Verse 12. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related that what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And after they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God has first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with his words, and with this, the words of the prophet agree, just as it is written in verse 16. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild His ruins, its ruins and I will restore it. And the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who call by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things. Known from old. Verse 19. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from these, pollute, from these things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from all that has been strangled from the blood. Verse 21. From the ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaimed him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues lot there to cover so let's pray the Lord gives us grace Lord thank you for this day thank you for what we've um, been able to uh, see this morning so far Lord I thank you for every person that's here and Lord I, I know that you've, you've brought us for maybe different reasons there's some here today that have come just to celebrate with a family that's dedicating their, their children their child to the Lord and so they've come to support them or we have some that you maybe are here in town visiting, or we have just some that are just curious. Lord, I don't know why you brought each person here, but, but I do know this, Lord. Um, but I believe that these aren't just happenstance. I believe in divine appointments. Lord, I believe that we're all here for, for a reason. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you begin to work in us. I pray that you begin to soften our hearts, that you open up our ears, you open up our eyes. Lord, I pray that you remove all distractions from us. Help us to focus in on not my words, but your words. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray you begin to just create life change in us. Jesus says, I often ask and pray and beg, God, I pray that you give me your words today. Give me your heart. Give me your passion. May everything that we do, everything that we say, bring honor, bring glory to you. Lord, this is a huge huge topic. And so, Lord, may we be faithful to it. Help me not to add anything to it nor take anything away. May your word reign true today. May it be the center of everything that we talk about and think about. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so... So what's happening here is we said, Paul's gone around, Paul and Barnabas, they, they begin to preach to the, to the Gentiles. And, and so those first six verses, we see the, the problem is, is identified. Okay, So they're back home, and there's this group, and if you remember, those have been this journey, kind of the, the mothership, like the, the headquarters of the church in the early days was Jerusalem. Okay, That was, remember, Jesus, all that, that's kind of where the, all the disciples, all, that's, that's kind of where their home base was. Now, by this time, a lot of the disciples had kind of ventured out on their own little missionary journeys and whatnot. But still, that's kind of still the home base. Now, as we proceed through the the rest of Acts, um, a a lot of the emphasis is going to be placed on Antioch. But still, there's this kind of special place for Jerusalem. And so when somebody from Jerusalem would come visit your town, like it was big time, it it was a big deal. I mean, I don't really know how to compare it today. It'd be like, maybe like a Billy Graham or some famous real speaker to come to our church and, and to talk to us. Like we would be like, wow, this is big. This is like, he's got like the red phone to God. Right? And so that's what would, be, what would happen here. Like these, when these, when, the, when somebody from Jerusalem would come and teach in their churches, like people would be like, these guys are, are legit. They're real. And so they would listen. And so these people were coming down, and, and, and they, were, they were genuine Christians. That's not really debatable at all. They don't debate that at all, but, but they, were, they were coming down, and, and they were preaching the gospel, but, and they believed in grace, but it was kind of like a grace plus. Like they, 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 would, they were still holding down to their heritage. They were holding to this law of Moses, and this one particular thing was circumcision. Now, Let's not focus in on the medical procedure, okay? But it was this, it was this thing that would signify, and they were holding back to, to Abraham, to, to you know, their, their spiritual father. And it was this thing that, that when the law came out, circumcision basically would set them apart, but circumcision was never, ever, go back and read the Old Testament, circumcision never, ever meant salvation. It was a symbol. One of the things that we've been talking about now, I had a chance this past week, or last week, I guess it was now, Ella Dorn, so big sister to Abe that we dedicated today, she came and met with me Wednesday night, and we talked about baptism and what that meant. And She had a whole journal of questions. I'm not sure if I passed or failed, but we talked about baptism. And, and here's, you know, baptism is one of those things. It's, it's a symbol. It's really important. I mean, it, 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 it has a great message, but it's a symbol. I mean, if you get baptized, it doesn't mean you're saved. The act of baptism doesn't save you. It's a symbol of that you are saved. And, and that was kind of what the circumcision was in this Jewish faith. But, but these Judaizers that were coming in, they had made it like a part of salvation. So they're saying, as they're preaching, you, you can, I would, maybe if you want to mark in your Bibles there, end of verse Six or verse 5. It says, listen, it's necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. And so what they're saying is, listen, if you're really saved, you're going to have this procedure done and keep all, this law, all these laws. Now, this is what's interesting to me. When we look at the response of Paul and Barnabas, we see that up in verse 2. It says there that, and after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension. I mean, they they wouldn't tolerate it. You know, it's interesting, as we looked at that journey, as at that first missionary journey, like Paul and Barnabas, I mean, they, they would leave from time to time. Usually it was as a result of you know, maybe a scare for you know, their lives or things like that or, 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 or whatever. But, but here's the deal. Like, they were adamant on this particular subject that they were not going to budge. I mean, they dug their heels in, and they were going to fight this one out. Now, this is, to me, there's a lot of really good stuff. And we keep, there's no way in the world that we can take all this passage and do it justice in one message. okay? Because in this, we can look at like one of the, the key things I, that I love in, that in this chapter is we can look at church conflict. I mean, you have, you have people that, right, one group that are saying, listen, it, you have to, that, yes, we believe in grace, but you have to keep the law too. Like, you have to do what we do in order to be saved. And then you have a, another group, the Gentiles over here, that... They just believed in this grace, that it was this free gift that they that, that anybody could have. And, and, and so there's this these two camps, they're going back and forth. And it's amazing to me as you see this, as you read this, as you look at it. I mean, they're not calling each other names, they're not throwing things at each other, and there's no fist fights, but they talk through the whole thing. I mean, they debate it, they discuss it. There may have been some yelling and it may have gotten hot from time to time, but they work through it. And I mean, at the end of the story, it's one big happy family. Many of us, most of us, if we've grown up in church and, and been part of a church, we can look back and have been probably part of a church that experienced conflict, experienced troubles and disagreements. Unfortunately, we don't typically in church fight fair. We don't typically listen to both sides we get caught up in our ways right, your ways wrong. And we're not going to dwell on that, but I would encourage you, especially maybe those who have kind of come from or gone in or had experience in, in disunity in church, read this passage from, through those lens, those lens of, of thinking about church unity, of, of thinking of church conflict and how we talk through and work through some things. But nonetheless, Paul and Barnabas, they were adamant, they were, they were gonna make sure that they were not gonna budge on this. And guys, this is this, this is fundamental, this is huge. Like I can't say this enough, I can't state this strong enough. Like this right here could make or break the church as a whole. This is a foundational element. Right? At its core, what's being talked about, again, is not necessarily just this physical procedure that's being taken place but at its core what what's being determined by the church now is how somebody would obtain their eternal salvation it's bigger than that one action we're talking about salvation how does one get saved this is huge i mean I, again i can't state this loud enough or strong enough this is a monumental conversation that the church is going to engage in and so Paul and Barnabas, you know, the, the church there in, in Antioch says, listen, we need to send a group back to Jerusalem. You guys need to talk this thing out. Let's figure this out. What are we going to do? And so Paul, Barnabas and their group, they go back to, to, to Jerusalem. And I, I think this is pretty cool. So, you know, as you, as you read through that, that first part, as they're going, tells us there that, that Paul and Barnabas, they go to Phoenicia, they go through Samaria, and they're telling these things. And, and check this out. You know, um, so t- in today's maybe church terminology, this this group, these Judaizers that were coming in, they had all these laws, they had this this box that we all had to fit into. So, and in, maybe in our church talk today, that might be like that legalistic community, that legalistic church mentality, right? So, so what's kind of ironic in this is this so when when you are in a situation where you're in this box of legalism if you look at kind of the temperature of the people it's cold (laughs) it's hard I mean there's anxiety there's everything but joy but then you have Paul and Barnabas like they're not preaching legalism they're preaching love I mean, they're talking about God. They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about how he died on a cross for sins. They're talking about this, this free gift of salvation that, that all you have to do is accept it and believe in it, and it's yours. I mean, you don't have to do any. You don't have to change yourself. You just have to take it. And they're going around, and they're telling these people about it, and every time they leave these places, it, it says that, that the people are joy. They're, they're bringing joy to these communities. And one of the things I want to challenge us as a faith family is this. Like we can dwell on, on laws But if we do, it's going to be a cold church. Now, listen. That doesn't mean there aren't right things and wrong things to do. But listen, if we focus in on the love of Christ, if we focus in on how much Jesus loves us, okay, then we're all we're going to bring joy in our community and those that come and visit with us. And that's what Paul and Barnabas did. I mean, they were going around and they were talking about the love of Christ. They're talking about His grace. And how this was free to everybody. And it just brought this joy to those communities. And so they go and they're, they're going as, as they're traveling down to Jerusalem. They're just stopping at all these towns. And they're talking. They're preaching. They're sharing the love of Christ. And then they get to Jerusalem. And notice how they're received. So, so they come into town. You know, all the, the apostles, the disciples that were there, the church elders, all this. I mean, they're there and they're welcomed. Again, as I talk about that church unity thing, there's a disagreement the groups that don't agree on both sides, the group that came down to Antioch that kind of created this division, if you will, came from Jerusalem, right? And so Paul Barnabas, they're going back to the source. They're going back to the home base and they're being welcomed. They're being welcomed in. And this is what's kind of awesome. We hadn't seen Peter in a while, right? We We hadn't really seen him. You know, Peter kind of takes backstage. Paul becomes, enters the center arena. This debate comes up, and they begin talking about this idea of acceptance between the Jews and the Gentiles. And we talked about this several weeks back, again, for our visitors, something revolutionary has taken place in the faith. There is such hatred between the Jews and the Gentiles prior to this salvation they were experiencing. I, I told you that the belief that Jews held towards the Gentiles was this. They, 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 would, they would state it like this They believed that the sole purpose of a Gentile was to fuel the flames of hell. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? And that's not like a, you know, we can agree to disagree, but I don't really care for you too much. I mean, that's when you turn around and say, Listen, your only, your sole purpose in life is to fuel the flames of hell. I mean, you're, 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 that's not very nice. There's, there's not a whole lot of love there, is there? But God begins to build these bridges. And so when we get to this point in Acts 15, like uni- there's, there's unity. I mean, they're welcoming in the Gentiles, but, but those still in Jerusalem are saying, okay, you guys are, you guys, we believe that you can come to know Jesus, but here's the deal. You have to do these things, kind of like what we've had to do. And so in this deal, like if we're going to talk, like what they're trying to do is they're trying to make Christianity this kind of subdenomination of Judaism. All right. And Peter decides to stand up and talk. Now, we don't see this here. But if you were to go back into Galatians, a few chapters over Galatians chapter two, Paul and Peter had a conflict. Peter was back in um, Antioch. And he would hang out with the Gentiles, but when those from Jerusalem would come to town, Peter would back away from the Gentiles and hang out with the the, the Jews. You know, almost like he, he, we're cool, we're cool, and all of a sudden you see somebody else that might be cooler, then you're kind of back over here and like we're cool. And then when they leave, you're back to the group over here. That's what Peter was doing. And Paul sees that, and Paul calls him out. Now again you guys, like think through this. This is like Peter, one of the original 12 disciples. I mean, the guy that walked on the water with Jesus. Right? I mean, he's 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 the guy. Remember when Jesus is taken in the garden of Gethsemane? I mean, Peter's the one that takes the sword out and whacks the guy's ear off of, right? I mean, this is Peter. And this is the same Peter that will sit next to a fire with Jesus after Jesus Jesus' resurrection and have this heart-to-heart conversation where Jesus will be like, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Well, then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Feed me. That's the same Peter. And then we have Paul. You guys remember Paul's story? About the same guy that goes around, and he's like hunting Christians down? And he's he's the guy that holds the coats while while the rest of the Sanhedrin's throwing stones on Stephen? He's the one that gives the final authority to have Stephen killed. I mean, he's the one that, that is so angry and so rabid towards these Christians that he's giving these names and addresses. It's a witch hunt. And on his way to Damascus, meets the Lord. And those are the two guys. And Peter starts doing this little game back and forth, and Paul calls him out on him. That takes some guts, doesn't it? <laughs> And Paul calls him out, and Paul, Paul tells him he needs to get right. And so I, there's a part of that wonders, okay, we're here, we're having this roundtable discussion, we're gonna set this, this this thing right. And all of a sudden Peter stands up and begins to talk. And I wonder, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I wonder if if Paul's heart begins to cringe a bit, and his mind thinking, man, this is Peter. He's one of the original twelve. This is the same guy that was was trying to walk on both sides of the fence. But when when the Jews were there, he would always gravitate towards the Jews. So I wonder if he's going to get up here now and we're going to have to rehearse this whole thing again. But look what Peter says. His, His passage there is his response to this question. Do the Gentiles need to be circumcised or not? You see in 7 through 12. Um, and, and Peter stands up there and he says, towards the end of verse 7, he says, Brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. That's Acts. And maybe inside your Bible, that's Acts chapter 10. Remember, Paul, Peter's um, in Joppa. He's on the roof of this house. He, he's hungry and falls asleep and has this dream. Because remember the dream? And, and in this dream, and this is Peter's or a staunch Jew. I mean, he abides by all the rules especially those dietary rules. So he falls asleep, and in this, in this dream, he, he sees this sheet. On this sheet are all these animals, but they're all the unclean animals, the animals he's not supposed to eat. And he's told to go eat. Again, Peter's so much, at least like me, thick-headed. You can never tell Peter something once. It's always like three times with Peter. And so he gets this like three times. The, the last one, you know, it's, it's kind of that thing where he says, you know, Peter says, Listen, I can't eat that. I can't. I've, I've kept the law my whole life. My lips have never touched anything like that. And then finally, Jesus says, Listen, what I've made is not unclean. And so he goes to Cornelius, this Gentile, and his family's all in this home. And, and, and he goes in, and again, those barriers, those racial, you know, nationalistic barriers break down. And he goes into this home and tells them about Jesus. And they all accept Christ. And so we, right here, he's referencing that story. Acts chapter 10, go back and read it later if, you, if you've forgotten about it. And so um, he says there, verse eight he says, and God knows the hearts bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. Verse nine, and he made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? So Peter knows listen, I went there. I, I spoke in Cornelius' home. The family, the whole, everyone got saved there. I didn't circumcise them. They're still believers. We've never questioned that. So why is there a problem now? What's the deal? And I love this, he goes, and furthermore, why are we going to put this weight around their necks that we can't keep and our fathers weren't able to keep? So why are we going to set them up for failure? Why, why on God's green earth, these new believers that are raw, why are we going to set them up for failure at the very beginning and tell them they have to do things that we can't even do? It's ridiculous. You know, in this debate, I I think we fast forward to today, and we don't argue over circumcision. But we argue over a lot of things. And we put a lot of stipulations in there. And we forget about how amazing God's grace is. Some of us have been fortunate. Maybe we grew up with parents who were believers and so, like our, our whole childhood memory was coming to church and hearing the Sunday school lessons and all that kind of stuff, and and now we're grown up and we just naturally take our kids into the same thing. It's this amazing, awesome generational thing. It's great, but some of us don't have those same stories. Some of us, you know, we, we didn't grow up in the church. And some of us it's just still kind of new to us. We're still kind of making our ways, still trying to figure this out. Matthew four nineteen, Jesus calls us fishers of men. Last week, I was sharing with you guys that um, we had a small group get-together at Kaki and Bob's house, beach house. And we, we were all there, had a good time. We, you know, we're tubing, hanging out. I'm eating, what I usually do at our get-togethers. Um, and, the, and the night kind of ended. A lot of people kind of left, and there was they began to fish at the end of the dock. It was mainly kids. It was, it was all basically kids. Coach Kelly and Coach Mike were the biggest kids out there. But there was those two guys, and the kids all around them, they're all just kind of fishing. Now I told you guys this. I grew up just outside Detroit. Like, I'm not an outdoorsy kind of guy. Like I'm a city boy, like through and through. They don't get much more city-like than me. I don't know a whole lot about fishing. But as I watched them fish, what I observed was this. Coach Kelly, Coach Mike would put some kind of bait on a hook. They'd throw it in the water. Sooner or later, somebody would nibble or something would nibble. They'd get caught on the hook and they'd reel it in, take it off the hook. Now, is that a pretty good observation? Is that, am, I, am I getting this as a city boy? That's how this fishing thing works, right? Here's what, I, here's what I did not see. I did not see Coach Kelly or Coach Mike jump in the water, swim underwater, find the fish, clean them up real good first, Then let them catch the fish and bring it in. Are you guys tracking with me? Because this is what ends up happening oftentimes. We feel that before someone can come to know Jesus, they got to get their life cleaned up first. They got to get everything straightened out. They got to quit drinking and cursing and all that kind of jazz before before they can come to know Jesus. Guys that's like fishing and cleaning the fish before you catch him it doesn't make sense and that's what's taking place here we forget about how amazing God's grace is we don't we don't deserve it i read this story a commentary john corson commentary this week as I was preparing he was telling a story about back in the old days about the time of the depression i guess this man his wife, they were struggling. They, could, they were having a hard time making ends meet. Economy was bad. And so, so he, he got this apple for five cents. And he took that apple home. He spent all night polishing that apple up. Right? I mean, he polished it. That thing shined. That next day he went out, and he sold it for 10 cents. So he went out and he bought two apples. Spent the night shining it up. Right? The next day he goes out there, sells both those apples, he doubles his profit. And he keeps going and going until he makes $1.60. And as he's telling this story, this guy comes up to him and says, you know, how did you make this guy? This guy becomes a millionaire. And so this young boy is trying to figure out from him, how did you become a millionaire? And he goes all the way back to the depression. He talks about these apples. And this kid's like, wow, he's polishing apples. He goes from 5 cents to 10 cents. He finally gets up to $1.60. And the guy says, and then my wife's husband, or my wife's dad died and he left me a million dollars. Steve, do you hear that? It's the only way I'm becoming a millionaire. You guys get that story? It wasn't the man's hard work of polishing the apples that made him a millionaire. It was this inheritance that was left to him. And that's what Peter says. Guys, it's nothing we we've done. <laughs> they don't have to do these things. We don't have to demand that they put this yoke, this weight around their neck. Stop it. And so he gets done speaking. And I can almost see this scenario. You know, the, the leaders are there, they're in this table, they're listening. Peter and Barnabas have spoken, or Paul and Barnabas have spoken. Peter stands up, gives his discourse, and then this guy, James, stands up. James, the same guy that we read at the beginning of the service, James chapter 3, verse 1. This is not the apostle James. This is Jesus' half-brother James. He had this, this nickname of being called James the Just. The um, First century historian Josephus made this statement about James. He, he said that James had camel knees. Uh, again, city boy, I've never ridden a camel. I've been to the zoo, I guess. But camels don't have very pretty knees. And the point that Josephus, this historian made about James, was James was always on his knees praying. So much that he had this characteristic, a physical characteristic James stands up. What we know from history is this, that James now is kind of the, is the, become the leader of the church in Jerusalem. So he's the big dog. And so they've all kind of talked now, and all of a sudden when the head guy stands up, all ears turn to him. And this is what's so awesome. He turns and he says, brothers, listen to me. He goes, Simeon. Who the heck is Simeon? Simeon's Peter. Here he's using Peter's Hebrew name. He's making a connection. He says, listen, Simeon um, has related how God has visited the the Gentiles to take them from a people for his name. And with his words, and and with this, the words of the prophets agree just as, as it is written. And so then James goes And he quotes scripture from the Old Testament. Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. So this argument that they're having, this disagreement that they're having about this whole circumcision thing. James listens, and he goes back to the Old Testament. The scripture that the Jews would would know. the, the, The scripture that they would adhere to. And he goes back and says, Listen, scripture tells us this. See? This is what I love, guys, and in any disagreement we have as a church, as a faith family, we have to always go back to the scripture. That's what's key. That's what's important. That's what's going to be our compass. I would encourage us, even in our own situations, our own families, when it comes to, to disputes with our husbands and our wives, when it comes to those struggles of raising kids, disputes at work, we can always go back to the scripture and learn find answers. And that's what James does. He quotes that scripture in verse 19, says, therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those Gentiles who turn to God. And so James says, listen, Paul, Barnabas, and Peter, they're right. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, for by grace you are saved through faith. It's nothing we do. It's a gift from God. See, it's so important that we understand this. There is not this I'm better or you're better. You're worse, I'm worse. It's none of that. Romans 3.23 says that we're all sinners. Like every one of us. doesn't matter if we're short or tall, thin or wide, have hair, don't have hair. Doesn't matter what color of skin we have, doesn't matter how old we are, we all have done bad. All of us. It's a level playing field. We've all done bad things. As we go through that walk through Romans, I love how, despite that, despite knowing that we've all messed up. Remember how I told you guys that as Peter and or as Paul and Barnabas were traveling, when they were leaving towns, they were leaving them joyous. They were leaving this joyful uh, mentality. The People were happy. It's because they were, they were teaching this law of love. And you know it starts with Romans 5.8? While we were still sinners, like while we're still doing bad things, while, while, while God's here and we've turned our back on God, while we're running the opposite direction, or doing whatever, Well, we're doing all of that, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. Guys, for, for all practical purposes, as Jesus is on the cross, we're those soldiers spitting on him. We didn't deserve that. I can't earn that. It was his love. It was Jesus' love for us for me, for you, that drove him to the cross. Before we even get to that Romans 5, 8, that verse 2 says, and again, Paul, who we've talked about, wrote the book of Romans, says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. My guess is this morning there are some here that don't have peace with God. You have questions. There are probably things in your life that haven't gone the way you had hoped or had planned. Those questions have turned into anxiety. Anxiety over time turns into coldness or hatred. Listen, the way we find peace with God is through Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If we want to find peace with God, we find it through Jesus. Verse 2 says in there, it says, or I guess going to verse 2, it says, and through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans 10 verse 9 says, as we come to that point where we think about how we are all messed up, we've all done bad things. But even though we've done those bad things, even though we're running from God, even though we had nothing to do with him, that didn't stop Jesus. He was Focused, his love drove him to a cross in which he died for our sins. Romans ten nine says, "If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved." Those kind of verses we talk about are kind of like the Romans road, if you will, and sometimes we end there. But listen. This is, I want us to go one, and if you have your Bibles, maybe, and you're looking at the Romans, you turn one page or so. And Romans chapter 11, verse six says, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Go back in your Bibles and underline that at some point. Romans 11, verse six. We all have stories Hopefully most of us, the story involves us at some point in our lives coming to a point where we realize that we've done wrong. And when we realize there's this Jesus who came, left heaven, came to earth, and died on the cross, lived a perfect life, did nothing wrong. And then died on the cross for our sins, for my sins. Thankfully, the story doesn't end with him in a grave somewhere. Three days later, he conquered death. He came back to life. Right now, he's in heaven, the right hand of God, speaking on our behalf. The, the same behalf of the ones that are running from God. Here's my heart. Listen. Listen. You don't have to get right before you get God. Whatever right is, here's the deal. You get Jesus, and Jesus will help you find what's right. Jesus will help you find what's right. Next week, we're going to come back to part of this But one final thought is this. The last verse that we read this morning was verse 21. And it says, For from ancient generations Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him. For he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. So James is talking to primarily his Jewish brothers. And he's telling them about, reminding them about Moses. Remember Moses, the one who wrote the law through God's inspiration. He's reminding them about this law. But here's the deal. Remember this. Moses, the writer of the law, the, one, the, the man who's always kind of connected to the law, remember this. Moses was not allowed to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. He, he was not allowed to enter the, the land of milk and honey you guys remember who was? Who who was the, the leader who led the children of Israel into the promised land? Who remembers? I heard someone say, shout it out. Joshua. That's his Hebrew name. Do you guys know what Joshua's Hebrew name translated into Greek is? Jesus. See, Jesus is the only one that's gonna be able to lead us into the promised land. The law won't get us in. Only Jesus does. Let's pray. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Our goal at Redemption Hill is to see souls saved and lives changed. If the Holy Spirit spoke to you today and you made a decision, or maybe you have a question or comment, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad, C-H-A-D, at r h churchcom if you don't have a regular church home we would love for you to consider visiting us you can go to our website rh-church.com or find us on Facebook for directions until next time